Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Merry Christmas. First Sunday of Advent. How many of you love the Advent tradition? Maybe you were in a very traditionally um, focused church at some point in time. And Advent, oh man, such an exciting time. But before we jump in, I've got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to describe something. I wonder if you can relate to this or maybe you've experienced this. Christmas Day. You were on your way. You just pulled up to grandma's or auntie's or your mom and dad's or somebody's house for Christmas. And it is, it's just after, it's afternoon. You are hungry because you skipped lunch because you know what is coming around five or six o'clock. So you're making extra room. Anybody relate? And you walk up the front steps and all of a sudden there's this breeze and this faint smell just kind of, oh. And then as soon as you walk in the front door, it's like all of your senses are completely taken over by this blast of deliciousness that is the mix of everything warm and sweet and salty and everything that's being prepared in the next room and your stomach starts to go nuts. Anybody relate to that? How many of you are starting to experience it already? I just started talking about food and your stomach's going, ah. You know that wonderful, delicious moment right before something wonderful is going to happen? That's what Advent is. <laughs> and in a way, Advent is this long, extended moment of anticipation for what's coming. Everyone say anticipation. Anticipation, it's that wonderful thing right before the awesome thing is going to happen. And you know, how many of you know, just even waiting for something you really want kind of increases the enjoyment of it, which is actually, if you can still say that, you're probably one of the few in our culture because there's not a lot we have to wait for anymore, which is kind of sad, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But Advent is a little bit, it's more than just the anticipation of the Christmas season or presents or parties or time off or seeing family or friends that you haven't seen a lot. There's so much more in the anticipation that I think as Westerners, we've kind of forgotten. And Advent was actually, it, it comes from a very old world word meaning coming or arrival. And, and it was a tradition that the early church started about, I think it was about 300 something AD. And they started it, the church decided, you know what, life is getting crazy. We need to make sure that we orient ourselves around the right things that our life is founded on, that our life is about. And so this tradition, it's typically four weeks before Christmas. And it was set aside to not only celebrate Jesus' coming to earth the first time, but it was actually set aside to celebrate and remind us that he's coming again. And that's something we don't hear a lot about at Christmas. We kind of get focused on the little baby Jesus. Now that's a part of it. <laughs> but there's so much more to the coming. And, and, and I think we can relate to this because I think maybe at some point in time in life that we, can all, we all can relate to this. When life gets dark, 
or depressing or it's just really discouraging. Even as Jesus followers, it's really easy to forget the real story our life is a part of. Yes? Isn't this true? It's easy to think that God's not involved. God doesn't care. God is off somewhere distant. He's forgotten. Maybe he's not even real. And maybe that's, you know, kind of your experience. And you know, if it is, we are so happy you are here and so happy you are turning on. Because this environment isn't just for those whose life is happy, wonderful, and we're all just praising Jesus on Sunday morning. (laughs) You know, we recognize life is real and there's a lot of crap that goes on. And this is what we need to remind ourselves to get refocused. Not only on the little baby Jesus story, but on the bigger story that Jesus did come and that his coming to earth really did change everything. And he's coming again, but we're living in the middle of the story. And if you've ever watched a good movie or read a good book, you know there's a lot of this going up and down in a good story. And this is something we don't, we don't, we've kind of lost in our very enlightened Western civilization. This whole idea of story and mystery and the, and the waiting part. But Jesus has come and he's coming again. And you know, I love N.T. Wright's description. He says, Christmas has become cozy. Advent calls us to stay awake. Isn't that great? Christmas has become cozy. Advent calls us to stay awake. And Advent is this time that is really about us recovering some of the mystery and excitement that's supposed to be around Christmas. And I think this is why Christmas and children go together like cookies and milk. <laughs> you know, we, there's something about the excitement of kids that I think is really supposed to remind us about Jesus' words. Matthew 18, 3, he said, this is the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like little children. Now, that is not childish. There's a big difference between childish and childlike. They are like polar opposites on the spectrum. (laughs) Childlike is this wonder and anticipation that there's something amazing that's going to happen. It's, and I think this is something, this wonder and this is excitement. And this is our prayer over these next several weeks. That this is something we choose to get stirred up in our soul. We get stirred up in our soul instead of being overtaken by all the other narratives going around around us. Bye, bye, bye. Busy, busy, busy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Advent is waiting in wonder. And it reminds us that the fulfillment of the greatest longings in our soul will never be met on this side of eternity. And that is the last thing we Westerners that have click, 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 delivered tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow (laughs) at our easy disposal. So. We are going on an adventure, hence the title of the series, Adventure. Kind of cheeky, hey? I thought it was kind of creative. Adventure over the next few weeks. We are going on an adventure to learn how to live differently in this season. So we are not getting caught up 
in the same kind of hustle, consuming, consumerism, running around with like your chicken with the head cut off. Like the rest of our world is this time so that we're not overwhelmed and we're not distracted. But we want to live differently. We want to learn how we can live differently, not just so our lives can be better and we can have a wonderful, peaceful Christmas, but actually so we have something to give our world. See, this is the purpose. This is the reason you are still alive and still have breath in your lungs while you're still alive on this planet. It's because you're meant to be a reflection and a releaser of the presence of God, his hope, his peace, his joy, his love, which are actually, those are the big themes of our Advent, which we're going to be looking at a little bit more in the coming weeks. And so this week is the hope adventure, the hope adventure. Do you know what hope is? I wonder if you know what real hope is. Do you know when you have it? Maybe. Now here's the question. Do you know how to recognize the counterfeits? Ooh, there are counterfeits. And so we have a real ex well, wonderful Christmas passage this morning that we're going to jump into. And I'm saying that sarcastically because it's the most different Christmas message you probably have ever heard. It's from Luke 21, 25 to 36. And this is Jesus a few days right before he was getting ready to go to the cross. And he's talking to his disciples, and he says, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On earth, the nations will be in distress and confusion because of the roaring and swelling of the sea and its waves. He's speaking metaphorically there. He's not talking about a tsunami coming. People will faint from fear and from imagining all that's going to happen to the world. The powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud. That was a special code language that meant something very specific to the Jewish people. This wasn't about Jesus coming in a cloud, coming back to earth, and woohoo, we're here, he's going to whisk us up somewhere. That's not that picture. Remove all your left behind images from your mind. And if you don't know what left behind is, count yourself blessed. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great majesty. When all these things start to happen, stand up and lift up your heads because the time has come for you to be redeemed. In other words, this is a good news thing. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they're well into leaf, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is upon you. In the same way, when you see all of these things happening, you will know that God's kingdom is upon you. I'm telling you the truth. This generation won't be gone before all of this happens. So he was speaking about something that was soon to come. Heaven and earth may disappear, but these words of mine won't disappear. So watch out for yourself, said Jesus, that your hearts may not grow heavy with dissipation, which simply means overindulgence and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that the day comes upon you suddenly like a trap. It will come, you see, on everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Keep awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all of these things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> now, let's go back in time. Let's imagine again. Let's go back in time, Jerusalem, about A.D. 60, 
which is probably roughly about 30 years after Jesus' own death and resurrection, and probably about the year that Luke actually wrote this passage. Many who had believed in Jesus while he walked the earth, they were still in Jerusalem, and they were still following him. They were still waiting and hoping and praying for those words that Jesus had said, I'm coming again. But life had been rough. The Romans were still in charge. There was all sorts of political upheaval going on. I mean, Rome, it was one crazy ruler overthrow after the next. And life just kind of seemed to go on and on. And the Jesus followers who remained, they were still gathering. They were still learning and growing together. And some had even become friends with Paul. But he'd been shipped off to Rome, and they were pretty sure he wasn't coming back. And Peter, who'd been in Jerusalem, they had not seen him for years. He'd gone off on his own journeys and was taking the good news message, the gospel message out to a whole bunch of far-off places. And good old brother James, Jesus' brother, who was kind of like considered the leader of the church in Jerusalem, I mean, he was faithful, but man, it didn't seem like his prayers were having much effect because Rome was still in charge. And anything that you would hear about that was happening in what was being referred to as the church, all the cool, exciting stuff seemed to be happening in far-off places like over in Greece and Turkey and all these other places. Everything in Jerusalem was quite frustrating, and, and to, be, to be honest, it was a little bit discouraging. Becoming weary and losing hope would have been so easy for the Jerusalem Christians. Especially when your friends are saying, hey, where's this Messiah of yours? <laughs> I, thought be, I, didn't he, I thought he showed up. Like, wasn't he going to make everything wonderful? Like, everything still sucks around here. Like, why isn't he doing something? If he's the king, the so-called king, why didn't he overthrow Caesar? Why, why has he not done anything about these Romans? And no matter how hard you tried to tell them, you know, man, when we gather... And we worship Jesus, man, his presence is so real. Like we can just feel his love. They're like, yeah, I don't buy it. You try to explain. We just need to be patient. Well, that doesn't go over too well. 30 years is a long time to wait. So all you can do is you just kind of keep telling stories. You keep rehearsing Jesus' words like the ones that we just read in this passage that Luke just wrote. Hang in there. Guard your heart. Don't let the cares of this life weigh you down. Be awake. Elbow the person beside you. Say, be awake. <laughs> Stay alert. Keep praying. Pray for strength to endure. Jesus is. Can we say this together? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, you want to be ready. You want to be ready. And the same, you know what, those words of Jesus apply to us. They apply to you church online watching as much as they applied to these first century Christians. The message is still the same. And this is what following Jesus, this is what a big part of it is about. It's the steady, steady, steady tread 
of faithfulness. It's not a whole bunch of boom, miracle stories and exciting breakthroughs and exciting this and exciting that. It's daily treading, steady, eddy, treading. <laughs> stay awake. Stay alert. Keep praying. Hang in there. Don't get drunk. Don't overindulge. Don't let the cares of this life distract you from the hope that's connected to your life, from the hope your life is connected to. Don't get distracted and weighed down. Stay alert. Stay ready. He is coming. This is what it means to keep hope alive. This is what it means to keep hope alive. So what is hope? Well, here's a counterfeit. Hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope isn't optimism either. I love what a rabbi by the name of Jonathan Sachs, he said this. He said, it takes no courage to be an optimist, but it takes a great deal of courage to have hope. And I think that's because, and maybe you can, maybe you've experienced this. There's this aspect of hope that just seems crazy. And it's that thing where you, it's everything in you. It's like, I know there is no logical reason why I have this expectation. I just do. And see, that's really what hope is. It's a word that means expectation. It's waiting. It means to eagerly look for. And in that word, there's this aspect of tension. Everyone say tension. Tension. See, one of the original words for hope is this Hebrew word. There's several words, but there's one word that has a really interesting picture attached to it. It's the Hebrew word kava, which means this. It simply means to wait. And in fact, when you read through Scripture... The word wait and hope, it's used interchangeably depending on what translation you happen to be using. So to wait means to hope, to hope means you're waiting. But this word picture of kava, it comes from the original word kav, which is the picture of a cord. And it carried this idea of, you know, when you have like a rope, there's a tension, like when a cord is pulled taut, where it's pulled to the extent right before it breaks, that's what hope is. It's this word picture. So there's this tension. You feel like you're about ready to break. Anybody ever feel like that when it comes to hope? But there's also, it's another kind of tension. It's a kind of tension that farmers have. When they plant the seed, they wait or they kava for the seed to grow. Now, when a farmer plants a seed, it's not wishful thinking. I'm home, I don't know, we'll see what happens. No, that's a dumb farmer. It's like you're, you're planting expecting something to grow. In our garden, maybe, I don't know, it's kind of wishful thinking sometimes. My husband is the best gardener. He grows good, but sometimes the soil does not cooperate. It does not work the way you planted. But here we go, look at this. Isaiah 25, 9, here's an example. Look, this is our God. We have waited or we have kavod for him. He has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited or we have kavod.
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.